I confess, I would love nothing more than to sit in a tub full of plain yogurt. This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please check out scarletine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for downloading the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based monthly reading and performance series about sex, sensuality, and the steamy side of life. Between performers, we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession, which is then read aloud by one of our producers. The performance you're about to hear by Dr. Cricket was recorded on August 16, 2012. Cricket will share her experiences teaching sex ed in what she calls the apocalypse of the sexually unintelligible. Here is Dr. Cricket. When my mama finally mustered up the courage to talk to me about sex, I was a freshman in college. (laughs) I had already done found the pill on my own. Thank you very much. And I had brought my boyfriend home for Easter weekend. I know, it's gay. After making separate bed assignments for the night, of course... My mama followed me into my childhood bedroom. She sat down on the bed next to me, her eyes averted, of course, and said something to the effect of, now, you know about, um, things, right? (laughs) Oh. And I knew exactly what she meant without saying anything at all, really. So I, too, avoided making eye contact with her and said with about as much certainty as I could muster, yes, ma'am. Now, she must have believed me, but the truth was I hadn't a clue, and neither did that boyfriend of mine who turned out to be my future (laughs) ex-husband. And by the way, we had a lot of years of shitty-ass sex. (laughs) We didn't have a clue. So before I moved here to Austin, Texas, which I guess was about two and a half months ago, I was a little old professor and a bona fide sex educator. I actually taught a course for a lot of years, called Human Sexuality Across the Lifespan, or Womb to Tomb, as I like to call it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, and all configures thereof, we are living in an era that is dominated by sexual falsehoods and misconceptions, and this is what I like to refer to as the apocalypse of the sexually unintelligible. I'm preaching it. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's the good news about being a sex educator. We obviously need it. Now, there is some bad news, too, that I need to make you aware of. Due to political and religious constraints that have existed since the beginning of time, roughly half of Americans believe that sex ed is a personal matter that should be dealt with only in the home. 
thank you. Now, this would be a perfectly reasonable approach if we had parents that, A, received an adequate sexual education themselves. Okay? I mean, really, if all y'all left here and went to go interview your own parents about how they learned about sex, I know, that's kind of a buzzkill. Sorry. I would venture to guess that many of your parents did not receive a comprehensive sex education. I'm just, you know, and I'm not betting woman, but I would bet on that. The other part about teaching adequate sex ed in the home, aside from the knowledge base, right, is that parents need to uh, have uh, the desire to be able to discuss this with their children and not just discuss the nits and the bolts or the birds and the bees, right? The penis and the vagina intercourse, as Dr. Ruth used to call it. But sadly, studies show us that many parents don't feel comfortable talking about sex, and especially talking about sex that doesn't focus on heterosexuality. They also are not comfortable and or knowledgeable about sexual aids, toys, lubrications, etc., They also don't have specific instructions and know the proper usage of contraception and condom use. They don't know how to talk about sexual empowerment and what that, what would that look like? Signs and symptoms of sexually transmitted infections, sexual abuse, including rape, sexual dysfunction. Now I call this problems with the plumbing. They also don't teach their kids how to talk with the sexual partner about their likes, about their dislikes, about their previous sexual history. They also don't talk in depth about anatomy and physiology. And let me tell y'all, it is complex. It is. My college students used to fail that exam all of the time. I mean, some of the girls kept saying, where's the female prostate? (laughs) Now, if I was to think about this in my own life, I don't even think my parents would know what a perineum is. (laughs) Or why it would even matter. But as we like to say in the South, it taint North Carolina and it taint South Carolina. It's in between. That's just what we like to call it. So what we've got going on here now is that we've got mixed messages that students are getting, kids, people are getting, coupled with inaccurate information, and this is what you get an apocalypse of the sexually unintelligible. And this is evidenced by the following questions and reflections I have received from undergraduate students over the years. And y'all, I just had to start writing this shit down because it's like, you just can't even make it up. Here we go. Um, like, you know, you can't get a girl pregnant if she swallows your cum, right? 
I just said, bless your heart. Uh, hey, uh, yo, Dr. B, I have a friend who double bags that shit. He double bags his, he double bags his condoms just to be on the safe side. Your, your friend double bags those condoms? Well, did you know that your friend has actually just increased his risk exponentially for knocking somebody up and getting an STI? Don't double bag. It'll break the condoms. And here's, a, here's another one. This is a good one. It's no big deal if you get drunk at a bar and make out with your girlfriend in front of a guy. That's not gay. That's normal. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> Oral sex isn't risky at all because you can't get a disease from it. Oh, really? Since you can't get pregnant from anal sex, you don't have to wear a condom. If I had a nickel for every time a lady in my class clenched her legs in a cross position, I would be wealthy. You could just see the blood draining out of their faces like, fuck, I didn't know. I didn't know one told me that. I didn't know. I know. Bless their hearts. <laughs> this is, though, my ultimate favorite. It just never gets old to me. Of course you're still a virgin if you have anal sex and you're a woman. I know. Bless their hearts. Now, I respectfully refer to that phenomenon is as, and I quote, taking it up the ass for Jesus. I mean, there is just no other way to understand that. Nothing makes sense. Now, somehow, people think that the powers that be believe that you're protecting your technical, technical virginity if you take it up the ass. What the fuck? <laughs> so this was that creative solution I was referring to earlier about, you know, when you delay marriage till you're 25 and you want to protect your technical virginity, you just take it up the ass. And you're still a virgin. And yet, I must talk about the very clear double standard that exists between such heterosexual women and gay men who have anal sex. Somehow, taking it in the ass becomes the proverbial devil when the gays do it. Now, I'll be damned. The mental gymnastics of working out this behavior justification is very, very complex. <laughs> this mental gymnastics of this behavior justification is more accurately the unintelligible business I've been talking about with the apocalypse and all, which is fueled by bigotry and fear. But the irony here is that the highest percentage of HIV and AIDS cases in our country now belong to heterosexual women.
And there you have it. We are in the apocalypse of the sexually unintelligible. So sex educators, unite, I implore you. Our work here is not done. I call you to the apocalyptic battle as educated advocates with open minds and open hearts. Dr. Cricket holds a PhD in Human Development and Family Studies from Virginia Tech and is a licensed marriage and family therapist. As a professor and feminist scholar, she has taught human sexuality and studied women's sexual health in regard to sexual function. Brand spanking new to Austin, she is reinventing herself as a photographer and artist. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of the I Want Your Sex podcast at MiaOnTop.com, Sadie Smythe of That's What Sadie Said.com, Julie Gillis of JulieGillis.com, and Rosie Q of SayPrettyBird.blogspot.com. Podcast audio production by Ian Danskin at InnuendoStudios.com. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at bedpostconfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter, where we tweet audience confessions. Chime in and add yours. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess. I refuse to completely shave my pussy or get a Brazilian. I am not 11 years old, and I don't want to look like it. I confess, recently I was tied up, beaten, hair pulled, roughed up, culled every manner of dirty, whore, name, <laughs> filthy, shameless, slut for hours. I've never felt so loved. I confess... I've had a crush on a woman 19 years my senior, since I was 14. I'm now 46, and mission finally accomplished. <laughs> <laughs>